Hello, world. Welcome to... <laughs> Great. This is TJ Morris with ET Radio. I just finished doing a conference, so I'm glad uh, to be here. Uh, so spur of the moment here with my dog here. I'm real excited to be back with uh, Janet Carolesson. And uh, if Bill M. Tracer's out there, Bill, you, we'll get you back on Saturdays again weekly. Uh, I was down a couple of weeks due to health, but I'm back now, and I'm real excited to have a gentleman coming on here. But let me get Janet Carolesson in Hawaii uh, one of my co-hosts uh, with our ACO, our, uh, we have agents, consultants, organizers, authors, and uh, we've been working with people, and uh, Janet is always really good about connecting us to people, and that's what I've been doing at a psychic fair today. Janet Carolesson, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Hi. I'm glad to be back with good. you, TJ. It's been a little while, a couple yes. weeks at least. and I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to have you back, and we're doing Saturday. Janet, you and I usually do Thursday or Friday. You, you and I are. We were doing Thursday. Um, Saturdays are fine okay. for now, or Thursday or Saturday. I'm kind of uh, staying home for the winter. <laughs> I decided yeah. last last winter I went out and I almost died from all the flu viruses, and I said, Nah, I think I'm going to stay home this winter and avoid the flu season. Um, yeah. And, and I used to just go out for the UFO Congress, but they moved that till September. So no reason to come to the mainland during the height of flu season. Oh, wow. They moved it in September. Maybe I'll catch it this year. How, how about that? I just got yeah. that. Uh, New Horizons here at Navarre Conference Center, I and myself and my daughter spoke on UFOs and ET and life after death, and we had a request for doing our near-death experiences. So that was a lot of fun to share, everybody, and I told people if they showed up today. We had about 100 people in the room. There's like six uh, across and eight down, eight to ten on both sides. It was uh, about 100 people. We were really shocked. You know, when you started, I walked into a full house. I was like, whoa, and they had people standing in the back. So it was really good to be a speaker, and so we welcome everybody back for July. If you get to come to Florida and the Panhandle Navarre Conference Center, and my daughter works in hospitality at the Days Inn right next door. So I hope you guys come down. We have beautiful, let's call it the Emerald Coast. It's very beautiful water, very blue, very wonderful. And Janet is in Hawaii, so we've got you covered from the East Coast to the West Coast. Hawaii. I lived out there for years, and that's where we began our Ascension Center and Psychic Awakening classes. So if you're interested in anything to do with uh, Psychic Awakening, Consciousness, uh, dealing with, uh, I guess, what we call alienology, cosmology, epistemology, phenomenology, and uh, we even do a little uh, Stargate and remote viewing. So uh, mostly just having fun with mystics. Oracles, psychic sages, seers, and I'm going to have to uh, get a gentleman on here named Steve uh, Colburn, and uh, let me close my door. Stand by, uh, just a second. Sorry, this is very inappropriate for me to do this because I know we're a professional show and we're going up on YouTube, folks. But I've uh, been running around here, we're very, being very informal. 
Now, this is much better. Let me, uh, Janet is Aquarian uh, Radio. I'm TJ Marcy, T Radio, and uh, we will help put this on roughly 22 websites. It goes out on FM Radio, goes on the big one, which is iTunes. And Spreaker and all kind of other places, Stitcher. So uh, we're very excited. We've been doing this since 2012. And Steve Colburn, this is the first time he's been with uh, myself in Florida and Janet in Hawaii. And we're going to bring him on from California. So stand by. Steven, is it Steve or Steven? Uh, call me Steve. It's Steven, but uh, I go by Steve. All right, so it is S T E V E N, but you go by Steve Colburn, not Colbert. No, no, Colburn. All right, Colburn. Is there a Steve Colbert on TV or something like that? Uh, yes, there yeah, is. There's, Steve Colbert. Um, yeah, it is, yeah, it's Steve Stephen Colbert. I think it was, his name was the P H though, not, not a V. Okay, well, what happened was I, I I vetted you, and his name came up with his face and your face on the same page. So I was like, I'll have to ask him if that's just a coincidence. I guess it is. Well, you can hear Janet in there. So, uh, Janet, anything you want to start with, or you want Steve to introduce himself, or you want to read the new bio? Well, let me see what I have for Steve. I kind of just got home myself. I was uh, getting my hair done. Okay. Nice. Um, well, basically, yeah, we're both redheads. <laughs> I, I decided to go red in my old age. You know, there was that old thing yeah. back in the 80s. When I'm old, I, wear, wear, I will wear purple. Yeah, but when I get old, I have red hair. But my mother had red hair, and my grandmother on my father's side had red hair. So we had red hair in our family because we're part Irish. Yeah. Family. Um, and I had reddish hair now and again. My hair would, uh, my natural hair color would, um, you know. I like you with red hair. Yeah, we were both pretty, blondes like and we're redheads blonde. too. So yeah, blonde well, this, red. This is a red blonde. Strawberry yeah. blonde. So it's a girl thing. In honor of my, it's a humanoid yeah. thing. <laughs> it is. In honor of your so in honor Irish. Of my, the Irish thing. So in honor of my Irish heritage and my 65th birthday, which is February 6th coming up, I decided to go. Red. Um, so let me find. I, I was stalling, so I found Stephen. Steve Colburn is a chemist, materialist, material scientist with over 20 years of industrial experience. He is currently working in the area area of nanotubes and working to start a nanotechnology company. And I'm very interested in that. I was just talking to someone about uh, the nanotechnology um, medical. So hopefully we get into that. And Steve yeah. is also a UF. UFO abduction researcher and experiencer, and he was a partner of the late Dodger, Dr. Roger Lear from 2008 until his death in 2014. Steve met Dr. Lear after visiting him as a patient shortly after a mysterious object appeared in his toe in 2008. And I have some implants, so I'm going to want to talk to Steve about that, too. Yeah, and I'll check you out. Steve, yeah. So Steve analyzed several alleged alien implants uh, that Dr. Lear surgically removed from his patients, including Steve's, and has uncovered startling findings. And Steve is currently performing analysis of reported alien material. And then on AquarianRadio.com, I'm going to put all this information about Steve. And Steve, well, I was down at the Great. beauty salon, and he said a bunch more stuff. So uh, while we're kind of talking, uh, I'll go on mute now. Update the page on AquarianRadio.com, 
And give me about a half an hour, and I'll get all this stuff added. And you can go and follow along with Steve's uh, information. He's got a, a lot of incredible research, and um, I was reading about your abduction. But I want to give away the story. We're going to let it unfold. And, Teresa, back to you. Uh, what I would just uh, like you. to do is mm-hmm. go, uh, go round, kind of round robin at a point, like get Steve's story, and then go um, – I, I would like, Steve, also, if you want to ask questions, too, invite you at a certain point. And we can all ask each other questions because all three of us are experiencers. And it would be great to connect the dots and compare notes. Okay, yeah, thanks. Definitely. All right. You, TJ. All right. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I would like to ask you if you would like to add anything to that, which I've got posted on TJ Marsh ET Radio. Uh, that little bit that she did share with us already. So that's uh, just a little basic introduction. But would you like to add anything or just start back with when you were born? Well, I, I, I published a couple of um, uh, pretty um, complete uh, uh, papers on um, two of the implants on, um, on my website, and I think they're available on Open Minds and Willie Strieber's website too. Um, and uh, I think they're of interest to anybody that's um, interested in scientific study of these things. And I uh, just wanted to mention that first. But um, And you were on uh, with George Nury Coast to Coast about a month ago, or when, when were you on uh, George's show? No, it was um, in January of last year, about a year ago. Oh, great. been a year ago, so, well, that's good. We've... We've got you in this this time frame, January twelfth, twenty nineteen, folks. For the record, and Steve, uh, we've never met, but we're friends on Facebook, so that's how we found each other. And uh, it was sort of strange because uh, I'll just tell people, folks, you know Daryl Sims, investigator out of Houston, Texas. He's doing a conference today in Houston, and I did one here where I live in Gulf Breeze in Navarre Conference Center. But Steve, uh, Roger Lear, Dr. Lear, worked in our uh, on our sh- uh, television shows for roughly, was it about three years, Steve? But give us a little rundown on Dr. Roger Lear because we've had Daryl Sims in our group, our ACO club folks, our ACO association, and our UFO association. But he heads up our Alien Hunters organization, and that's plural because Daryl has the – original alienologist uh, stamp as uh, he was former CIA from the old guys back in the day because we're all up in our 60s and maybe 70s even, <laughs> but <laughs> who's counting, right? So, uh, Steve, Dr. Lear has passed, so tell yeah, us whatever you can about attack, him. March 2014. Um, well, he was a podiatrist, and he had a lifelong interest in UFOs. He said his father got him into the subject uh, his father was a, uh, a mason that uh, got a lot of information on UFOs and other esoteric subjects from um, from that organization, and um, uh, he um, he went to a lot of UFO conferences and wanted to learn all he could about the subject. And he met um, Daryl Sims, uh, I think, in Texas at a UFO conference, and um, uh, he. Um, Daryl Daryl told him about these these objects that were uh, implanted in people that um, that uh, were uh, uh, affiliated with the abductions. And Dr. Lear said he thought it was the most ridiculous thing he'd ever heard at the time. And um, uh, he uh, looked at some of the X-rays that Daryl provided and and um, was uh, a bit intrigued. And um, um, a lady named uh, Alice Levy that that um, 
later became one of his implant patients, um, uh, said, well, you better go back and talk to the guy. This might be important. And so he went back and talked to Daryl and said that, um, that um, you know, if you can get one of these patients, one of these, these people to come out to California and pay their way out there, I will remove the object for free and we can get it analyzed and find out what it is. And so um, uh, they did that and um, you know, found some strange uh, things about it, uh, the main thing being that uh, the metal and the objects were uh, made of meteoric iron. Um, and uh, it's highly unlikely the person you know, stepped on a meteorite or got a meteorite in their, their system somehow. So they thought that was very strange, and so they started a program to um, – uh, they partnered up and started a program to remove these uh, – these implants on a regular basis and um, analyze them. Uh, and at one point, he got uh, Robert Bigelow involved with his uh, and his uh, National Institute for Discovery Science, and uh, they got some pretty good analysis done on three or four of the objects through that. And um, they had a that was in the 1990s, I believe. And they had a hiatus for a while, and and. Um, got some more funding from Jaime Masson and from other people and did a few more uh, removals. And I was present for the last three removals, uh, patients 15, 16, and 17. And um, a documentary was made about uh, the last removal, patient 17. And um, I'm in part of that. And um, I, I was patient 15. I actually met Dr. Lear um, after uh, an abduction where uh, something was uh, put in my toe. And... Um, I um, uh, went to him and uh, told him that uh, I had a possible uh, object in my toe. And I don't think he, I don't think he believed me at first, but um, he uh, gave me a prescription to get an X-ray. And when um, he, he said to give a copy to the patient, and um, went and got an X-ray, and I knew I was going to see something on the film. But when I did, it changed my life forever. I mean, there's a heck of a difference, like I always say, between um, uh, strongly suspecting that something like this goes on and knowing for sure. I mean, if there's a physical object in your body from something like this uh, that's that appeared, you know, right after you had something like this happen, then uh, that's that's pretty much knowing for sure. Um, so um, he expressed great interest in taking it out, and he uh, removed it seven months later. And um, he said he didn't have any facilities to um, analyze it, so. I told him, well, give me a couple pieces of the object. It broke into some several pieces on removal. And uh, I said, I'll, I'll analyze it with um, the instruments I have access to at my work. I worked at um, a place called YTC America at the time. They had a lot of um, analytical equipment, including an electron microscope and um, Ramon spectrometers and uh, infrared spectrometers and just about every piece of analytical equipment you could name. And um, so... Uh, I analyzed the object there and basically found out that it was a sophisticated nanotechnological device and probably came from off-planet. Um, the metal was meteoric iron, like you'd, I found before with some of the previous objects, and it was giving off a magnetic field. It was um, transmitting radio signals before removal, um, and uh, it contained carbon nanotubes, surprisingly enough. We've proved that with um, both... Uh, scanning electron microscopy and Ramon spectroscopy. That's that's one of the ways you characterize carbon nanotubes with um, laser-based Ramon spectroscopy. And uh, um, I 
I think that uh, it's been pretty much a smoking gun is the, the fact that these these are sophisticated nanotechnological devices that probably came from off planet and um I think all we need now is to do more research to convince the mainstream scientific community that um that it's uh that our conclusions are accurate. Um they're pretty hard to convince, so it might take maybe a hundred of these objects uh, to be analyzed. Uh, but after that, I think it'll be a body of evidence that's impossible to deny. Well, how did you uh, now? Did you meet Daryl Sims or not? Uh, you were on the page fifteen. I, I met him fairly recently. <clears throat> oh, about, uh, okay. about three years <clears throat> about three years ago. I met I've met him at conferences, and he came out to California a couple of years ago, and. Um, uh, Alice Levy and I met with him, and um, he seems like a a good guy, and um, knows a lot about uh, about the subject, and he's a great investigator. Um, he he came up with the um, uh, the he came up with the um, knowledge that um, there's UV fluorescent dyes left behind on the body uh, after an abduction. I discovered that independently, but I evidently he was the first one to uncover that. Uh, that's one of the, the the best pieces of physical evidence that one has been abducted. Um, the dyes stay on the body for up to a month after an abduction, and they don't wash off. And um, there's several colors: there's um, uh, yellow, green, um, orange, and, and bright blue. And uh, they, they show up best under shortwave UV light. And there's some kind of marker dyes, I think. And the yellow green uh, is on their skin because we've seen four-fingered handprints and finger marks in it before. Um, uh, in the Watcher series uh, that I was on, uh, Rick Shaw uh, uh, paid for some research where we went down to um, Seal Labs and um, took a, a fleck of paint from my my wall from my old house in Fillmore that had a four-fingered handprint on it um, right next to my uh, to my bed. And um, I took that section of the wall out. We took a, a fleck of paint off the four-fingered handprint and put it under the, the electron microscope and did... Um, EDX elemental analysis on it and found out that there was no chlorine uh, in that uh, in that 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 fleck of paint. So human sweat has sodium chloride in it. So whatever touched that wall was not human. Um, that pretty much shows that uh, that uh, yellow green fluorescent material that was on the uh, on the wall was not uh, was not derived from uh, human. Um, that, that was a very interesting uh, finding. Did they? Uh, well, did uh, spectral analysis? What type of analysis was done? We took the um, we took the uh, a fleck of paint from a section of wall that had a four fingered handprint on it, and put it under an electron microscope and did EDX elemental analysis, uh, which you can do under the SEM, and found that there was no chlorine in that fleck of paint, and Human sweat has sodium chloride in it and contains chlorine. So, whatever touched that wall was not human. Well, did they suspect? Uh, did uh, now this was in your home, personal home, right? Yeah, yeah, it was right next to my bed. Yeah, I've got pictures of Is, the um, did they, handprint. Did they ask for any data uh, or anything that you may have consciously or subconsciously or? Did you have any memories, or was that called an abduction, or how do you explain that? Well, I'd had many abductions at that time. Uh, they were they were coming frequently. I'm not sure exactly when that that handprint was left, but um, it just showed that 
that something, you know, about the size of a child with four fingers uh, had touched that wall and that it wasn't, whatever it was, wasn't human. Janet, do you have any questions thus far? I was on mute. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fascinating. So you've been able to document that they're touching people. I think we met at one point in um you have a little machine that you take to conferences. Yeah, I, th- I think you do. expressed interest at one time in getting a scan. I, I one of my one of the things I do is I um, I scan people for evidence of um, the presence of alien implants and uh, uh, the, the uh, and evidence of recent abduction. And I go over them with the UV light, and um, I uh, try to find out if there's any any of these dyes. Sometimes you find uh, al- weird alien symbols and finger marks or all kinds of things. Um, it's rare that somebody's abducted and uh, none of these dyes show up. Um, and I, I go over the person with a stud finder, uh, uh, concentrating in the areas of concern, and uh, see if um, if the stud finder goes off. It's a little metal detector that usually detects nails and walls. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I also go over them with a Gauss meter that detects weak magnetic fields. If you find a spot that sets off a stud finder and also has a magnetic field, that's almost certainly an implant because... Um, most of these implants give off a magnetic field. Um, most of these implants have a uh, metallic core and are stationary. There's also ones that move under the skin. We've, we've never been able to remove those, but I uh, just thought I'd mention it. And um, uh, there's also biological ones that, we've, that Dr. Lear has seen rarely. I've, I personally have never seen one, but he found one um, under a, uh, the skin of the arm of a, of a flight attendant once that was about the size of a small pea, and he said it would follow your finger within a prescribed area. Um, and um, to get it out, he had to like clamp off the area and uh, to keep it from uh, running away from him. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's funny. When, yeah. Yeah. When um, Willie Strieber uh, uh, was going to have an operation to remove his from his ear, um, um, they didn't do that, and it got away from the surgeon, a, a Dr. Lerma, and. Uh, uh, he said he got a piece of it. I'd love to see um, his data on that. But he said it had cilia on it that allowed it to move under the skin. Yeah, I, I got one when I was, I remember getting mine. I was about four or five years old, about four, I'd say. And I was out in the yard, you know, back in the 50s, you could go out in the yard. And my mother was inside working in the kitchen. She'd just keep an eye on me. So I was out playing in the yard. And I came running in the door, and I said, Mommy, Mommy, a bee stung me. And it was behind oh, wow. my ear. It swelled up. And I still have it. It's got two pieces. I had a psychic one day did a reading on me. She goes, oh, you have an alien implant in two pieces. And I never told anybody that. Um, and then uh, my mother took me to the doctor, and they said, um, the doctor was just baffled. He said, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a cyst or something. I wouldn't worry about it, so I spent my life going, do I have cancer? Do I have cancer? But no, I didn't have cancer. Where on um, your body was it again? But it's behind the right ear. And I okay. was reading later from um, Bud Hopkins, one of his books, and he said, yeah, they, um, this girl, he described how she thought it was a bee, but it was actually like a little probe. And it, That's a fairly um, common spot. Mm-hmm, yeah. So anyway, I've had that all my life, and uh, the lady who did a reading. Actually, TJ was there. This is our how we met each other. Mm-hmm. Remember that, TJ? Um, 
this lady was it was on top of you drove it you drove us there but it was up yeah. on top of a mountain and um, I sat down in her room and she identified all these different um, implants in me and I, I you know we had no way of proving it and this is back in the early 90s right was this 93 or 4 94 93 93 yeah the time you drove me and I was sitting behind you in the Cadillac Remember oh that? yeah, the little shy girl from yeah. You were the spirit at yeah. the spirit your spiritual the center. Yeah, the yes. little shy girl. So I keep forgetting that. I always say May 2017, but I guess I do have to count oh. that. Even though I, I was a presidency of a corporation, plus I was working for the government, and then I was running Psychic Network at the time, Steve, and I was mm-hmm. I was uh, coordinating a lot of uh, psychic fairs at the Hilton Hawaiian Village. But she was going to Spiritual World Network there, and we were coordinating because. Uh, the man that was running it was leaving for the mainland. So I was staying and I was taking over all that group and incorporating into my association, Psychic Network. So uh, Janet was just being briefed on uh, Project Stargate, which we had people doing table tapping, uh, sensory uh, uh, sparking them. We called it psychic awakening classes. But yeah, she was just going to get started and was working with the local she was the local Hallie, yeah. right right Janet. Yeah, so, all experiencers are psychic, so that's one of the things they're looking for. Oh yeah. That's one of the things the aliens are looking for. And one thing I've noticed is that a contact with these creatures seems to rev up whatever psychic abilities you have too. Um yeah. and, Very interesting. Uh, that quite interesting that experiences. What? Yes. Near death experiences. When, you, when oh, yeah. you have contact with the ETs and the near death experiences, that tends to psych up your psychic abilities. Oh yeah, yeah. The near death experiences do too. I hear. I, I don't want to find out, but um, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. And um, but tell us how you well, found out about the psychic. Why would I mean aliens? Because I've worked with them, but they're benevolent extraterrestrials and. Uh, I'm not accustomed to working with uh, abductees. Janet is, uh, Tommy is, the Bud Hopkins, and uh, but uh, most of the people in my association uh, are contactees or experiencers from a benevolent source. But now I know th- I heard Travis Walker in the beginning said it was alien abduction, Walton. and he's gradually uh, Travis Walton. But at the same yeah. time, I heard later on that he felt like at some point he had. The story, uh, I heard this uh, from various people that know him, but uh, I haven't vetted him personally, but I heard that he had decided that a lot of it was he did participate. But, folks, you can try to track, uh, track Travis Walton yourself, so please do look that up. But we do separate contactees from abductees, meaning one is with permission and one is not apparently are with your focus uh, being what we call conscious aware consciously aware so how do you uh deal with that steve so maybe we should uh let you speak on that for a moment well you know, i think that um a lot of people you know. start out start out where it's uh it's against their will and then they evolve to say well if i'm going to be doing this anyway i might as well just just participate and then it evolves into active participation some people argue that we gave permission in a former life or before we came to this world or something, but that's that's debatable. But uh, definitely, from what I've uh, what I've heard talking to people, is that it, it evolves from from you're terrified and you're not participating and you hate these things and want them to go away to 
kind of almost loving them and wanting to participate in their agenda. And um, I think it's a combination of like Stockholm syndrome, syndrome and mind control. They, they, they use powerful mind control on people. And um, I'm not one of these people that thinks they're scum-sucking evil or anything like that, though. I mean, I think that their agenda is probably, at least in part, for the uh, common good of humanity. But well, it's, it's kind of like um, I, how I we tag this, animals. I, yeah, I think they're like the vet, right? <laughs> the vet wants yeah. to get us better. Right. And, but then the, sometimes the vet puts us to sleep. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I, we have I really don't think they're... I really don't think they're totally evil or anything, but they they do lack compassion. Mm-hmm. They're they're pure intellect. Um, I think I heard mm-hmm. that they got rid of uh, emotions in their species long ago to maximize their uh, their intellect, and now realize that was a mistake. And I think that's part of the reason they're they're hybridizing uh, people with uh, into their species to get some people in their species that have emotion again to get that unique viewpoint. Yes, similar to that. Mm-hmm. Let me just add something. Yeah, let me just add something. Sure. That has to stick you um, before I forget. Uh, we do we do hypnotherapy with the people, my husband and I, and yeah, most times they realize that there was some kind of agreement uh, that to participate in. And yeah, I like your analogy. What was it? Part Stockholm syndrome and. Uh, oh, my control. We Stockholm. don't know. We don't know. But I, I years ago, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just going to say this. It's kind of like a joke. Um, I used to borrow my brother's science fiction books. and one, I read one book, and it, there was this elaborate thing where this girl ended up getting captured, and her boyfriend went through hell to rescue her, and he comes and bursts in the door, and she's, you know, having sex. And so she was actually getting raped, and she said, well, if rape is inevitable, you might as well enjoy it, because he was all mad at her. And she said, well, you know, I didn't know you were coming to rescue me. I figured, <laughs> you know. So it's kind of like that. So we're in this scenario, and, you know, it's like the chicken and the egg. Is this consensual? Is it an agreement we made before? But um, most people, they realize they can't control it. And when they start to relax and enjoy it, so to speak, like they get more information, and then the more you're relaxed about it, the more that they let you know. So that's what it, we, you know, freeze research and different. Yeah. Uh, I work with a lot of hypnotherapists. That it's like, okay, well, let's just uh, relax into it. And they go from this, you know, total fear, like the cat at the bed, the dog at the bed, to, okay, it's just the bed. You know? Yeah, I, um, I um, uh, agree with that. And, um, uh they um, uh, they really want to relax people over time, and that's that's probably part of their mo. And one thing I, one thing I found out through talking to people and from my own experiences that um, Teresa was interested in, I want to be sure and mention it is that is that the reason you don't remember these experiences, or at least for the most part, is that um, they split your personality at a at a young age with most abductees, and um, they have one personality. For when you're with them, and one personality for uh, when you're down here, and the memories are still there, but they're on a different personality track. It's like the movie Total Recall, where uh, where the the agency split um, Arnold's personality into uh, into to Quaid and uh, Hauser. And, oh, very um, good point. I like, the I like that. Make, that. Go ahead. They, they make they may communicate through the subconscious, but um, but there's not a lot of contact between the two. 
And, and we Very work with people to reintegrate the subpersonalities. And, and, and Dr. Tal and Sidra Stone, they actually, they're Jungian, Jungian psychologists, and they, they say everybody has subpersonalities. You have your parent, child, your intellect, your your inner mother, father, you know, all these things exist in everybody. And I think it's a natural thing for uh, humanity. But the the government or the powers that be of extraterrestrials, they know how to split. And then sometimes these experiences just create trauma and PTSD. So people split and they have coping mechanisms to deal with a society that doesn't um, accept this phenomenon. And that splits you right there. So how can I go back and talk to, you know, my parents that I've been abducted by aliens or whatever? It starts very young. And so you just uh, kind of split and you suppress. And, and then if you – but if you get – and work with a very good hypnotherapist, somebody that's trained in trauma and PTSD and, and helping you to reintegrate your subpersonalities and um, develop what's called an aware ego – uh, and then you can, once you're aware of the subpersonalities, then, then you can switch into them. Um, then you, you get integrated, and you're able to accept things from a neutral space, kind of neutral space. And then you can step into the trauma and start and process and reprogram and then step back into your your uh, center and reintegrate. Keep working on, like, retrieving these little subpersonalities and lost parts mm-hmm. of your soul. And uh, then you're... So that's what I did when I met Dr. Lesson in 1990, what was it, 97, we just started to work on my uh, subpersonalities. Because early on, I went to study with Dr. Sal and Stone, and they had identified 18, and they just said, enough, enough, can't keep going. (laughs) So, yeah. uh, Well, I guess in theory, if you reintegrated them all, you'd remember everything that that your other personalities remembered without uh, having to be hypnotized or anything like that, right? Well, it's... There's still memory that you deal with memory. I mean, I don't remember everything in my this life, right? <laughs> um, so well, yeah, you can, no, no memory can. is like perfect, my, but I mean, you'd have access yeah, yeah. more, right? But I, I do have more. I do, yes. And so, uh, and there's a matter of time. So I'll have like uh, I call it the screen memory, but that might not be an accurate analogy of it. But it's like I'll have like a a critical incident, and there's something I remember. Saying, I'll say, oh, I remember. I'll, you know, the time this uh, gray alien was at the foot of my bed. And then I'll say, uh, Sasha, and I'll say, I'll call Dr. Lesson, would you like to facilitate me? And I'm going to go into that, that incident and see if I get more details. So I'm continually doing that because there's so many things. It's like the uh, Russian dolls, and they're packed on top of each other. But, you know, sometimes I just want to go back and remember, you know, something happened with my mother, and I only remember this part, and we go and look at that incident with my mother or something, you know. So it's a good tool. to. That's why I married my hypnotherapist, <laughs> my <laughs> psychotherapist, because I had such a complicated – and he loved it. He's like, oh, I never mm. met anybody like you. Saves a lot of money, Because I'm very right? open. <laughs> well, it certainly does. Save a lot of money to marry your hypnotherapist. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I've developed – I've got my own, you know, I can do hypnotherapy and as well, and I've mm. worked with thousands of people. He brought me in early on to work with people, so 
I, you know, I have 22 years of experience right now. But um, I'm taking that. You've got a good phone there, Steve. I can hear you breathing. So I had to learn this from some of my people coming on my radio show on landlines is just when you're not speaking, drop the the part that you speak into below your chin possibly so we don't hear you breathing so hard. That's okay. Just because it's uh, something that I like to archive is historically as a traveler or observer or, you know, soul out there coming and, playing on the ground uh people that listen to this will you know hear that because i've had uh people tell me to stop breathing in my phone i didn't even know i was doing it so well, we just i finally learned phone. maybe maybe it helped <laughs> i guess so yeah i could really hear you while janet was talking right in and while ago but uh tell us about this uh do you know anything about the space elevator scale or have you heard about that or uh, anything yeah, yeah, to that's... do with spaceward Oh, you do. Actually, the, uh, you the, do the know space about elevator. It? The space elevator is possible in theory uh, on Earth, uh, barely, but carbon nanotubes or carbon fibers are the only uh, the only material strong enough to um, to do it. To, to, you know, to have a high enough uh, strength to weight ratio to uh, to make that possible. If if you if you had uh, carbon nanotubes that that were uh, perfect enough and had few enough defects to um, come uh, close to the theoretical strength. So far, we haven't been able to make them nearly as uh, strong as they should be in theory uh, because they, they have too many defects. But um, I'm impressed sure will because I'm impressed with your knowledge that you would even know about this space elevator. I've never, you, you know, a lot of people think they know everything, but they don't. So, but to hear you and I didn't, I, folks, he did not send me any questions, Q and A's, or you know how a lot of radio shows they tell you to send, you know, what you want to talk about, but we don't necessarily do that. And uh, this was just thrown at him. He could have said, no, what are you talking about? But brilliant. Thank you, Steve. How in the world did you learn about space elevators? Well, I'm into um, carbon nanotubes heavily as, uh, as a professional thing, and um, I worked in that field for uh, I worked in that field for like eight years and ten, eight ten years, and um, I still uh, studied a lot and do, do consulting on it, and so I know about it from that point of view. And I also am uh, a very strong uh, amateur uh, uh, space enthusiast and uh, know everything about everything that that I, I can find uh, on the internet or in books about. Um, uh, space travel rockets, uh, anti-gravity propulsion, uh, space-related physics, astronomy, all that kind of stuff. Wow. Did, have you seen the scale or map uh, from uh, Dr. Robert Wood or uh, William Tompkins? Were you allowed to see the the – well, I, I should I, – I just thought since you knew about space elevators – uh, in general, so are you up on the latest on uh, intelligence or what's been allowed to uh, uh, soft disclosure or not? Well, just since you're talking about space elevators and staying up, I don't um, know where you are Tompkins on that. Doesn't really ring. It doesn't really ring a bell. But uh, what what specifically do you mean? I just wonder. Uh, that's that's okay. We can go there later. So I'll stick to nanotechnology. I just I just wanted to see where you were on uh, you know what's out to the public right now since we're recording this. But this is live, folks, and I invite a lot of people to tune in. So thank you if you've listened to us before or you're coming on board. Uh, we hope to bring in 2019. 
uh, information you may or may not know about in our soft disclosure program. And I've asked Steve Colburn to participate with us, and you can go and join us if you'd like to join our ACO Association or UFO Association. And then we also have Alien Hunters, and I'm asking Steve, being that he worked with Dr. Rear, uh, Lear, Roger Lear, and uh, has met Daryl Sims to be number two, uh, and he agreed that I could use alienologist. So that term fits you fine, doesn't it, Steve, an alienologist? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I know a lot of things that, that I recall the aliens telling me during these um, during these uh, experiences. Uh, sometimes I don't know exactly when or where I heard it. I just, I just know what I know, if, I, if that makes any sense. Um, and um, good. Well, I, I'm really um, curious about your uh, your interactions. I, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up here. You had uh, you have a report on the characteristics of gray aliens. There, I was reading this while I finally got it to download. Sorry, it took a little while. Um, and I'm going to be putting this up or part of it up on the website. So you have a report on the characteristics of gray alien human hybrids, and then you have a report of your own abduction experience. Do you want to ch- share a little bit with us about what happened to you personally? And then you have these gray alien, yeah, sure. uh, middle stage hybrid, late stage hybrid. Explain what all that means. That'd be great to hear. Um, well, you, you, you guys asked for asked for anything that I, I've written on the subject, so I just thought I'd include that. Yes. And, um, I originally wrote the hybrid report um, uh, for Barbara Lamb. She asked me um, asked me what I knew about hybrids, and I just just wrote a report and um, I included uh everything that i knew or thought i knew about uh about alien hybrids that that um i'd uh learned from uh, my interactions with uh, with the aliens and um i think i've i, I started um uh these experiences at day one or before day one um my uh, my mom uh was apparently pregnant with twins when she was pregnant with me and then about the fifth month uh one of them disappeared so um I may have a twin brother out there someplace. Um, I'm thinking, but the, the the doctor was sure she was pregnant with twins. One of them disappeared, and um, uh, I remember early on uh, seeing uh, UFOs both in Arkansas, where I used to live, and here at in this uh, house where I grew up. Um, when I was five years old, I remember a sighting where one was a UFO, going bright yellow, about 50 feet in diameter, was hovering over our. Um, our roof about uh, four o'clock in the morning, and then um, I passed out and had a vague memory of something being shoved up my nose, and woke up around eight o'clock. The sun was up, and I had a lot of uh, blood down the front of me, and um, that was uh, very sim- uh, very similar to the implant uh, experience, brain implant experience that Whitley Strieber described in the book Communion, and um, I think that one's probably still there to this day. Uh, they told me that that particular implant is to enable them to uh, hear through your ears and uh, see through your eyes and generally access uh, the subject's sensory information. Um, so, uh, in my opinion, with with, uh, most, with many abductees, um, the aliens are seeing and hearing what they're seeing and hearing in real time. So if you're talking to an abductee, you're, you're talking to them <laughs> directly. Um and um i um i had a lot of ufo sightings growing up and um then it uh, kind of died down until i was in my 20s and then um i then i had more ufo sightings missing time experiences um 
I had one uh, with my first wife uh, driving along uh, Highway 40 at night uh, around 1987, uh, where uh, about 10 o'clock at night I looked at the clock in the car, and um, uh, what seemed like 30 seconds later I looked at the clock again, and it was 1 o'clock in the morning. And I'm going, what the heck? And um, I stopped at the next town to make sure that um, that was accurate, that it wasn't something wrong with the clock, and indeed three hours had passed that we couldn't account for. Um, and um, I had some um, conscious memories uh, a few weeks later of, uh, of that incident, and then I recalled it um, uh, fully when uh, I got regressed for the first time. And um, uh, that was um, that was quite disturbing, actually, when I first uh, first remembered what was going on, but. Um, after a while, I kind of got used to the idea, and uh, after the shock wore off, and uh, it, it helped, um, or has helped, um, to know at least the bare bones of what it is that I do during the uh, experiences. Um, when I got married again, I told my, sec- my second wife that it was a high probability that I was an abductee, and she didn't believe me, but then a bunch of, a bunch of um, weird stuff started happening uh, when we started having children, um, she said I was missing from the house several times, didn't know where I was, and I told her, well, I didn't know anything about it. And um, uh, during the pregnancies uh, with our children, she started getting um, uh, red triangle, triangular marks on her abdomen, and she said one time that that she um, was lying in bed at night and saw this thing that looked like a, a square piece of steel about maybe two feet by two feet by two feet and about an inch thick uh, on edge. Uh, going down her body from head to toe, and she said it had a bunch of uh, like, like plasma discharges and colors coming out of it, and she just thought it was quite pretty, but then um, uh, started getting scared and tried to wake me up, and the second I started waking up, it turned into a red beam of light and shot out the window. Um, and um, then um, uh, then they had the, uh, the implant incident where um, uh, when... Right after she had, had our, our daughter, she was uh, staying over at her mom's house, and um, uh, I decided to go to the house and, and take care of the place and got tired and decided just, just to stay there. And I went out in the backyard and saw these two huge raccoons, and raccoons are often reported before abductions, and these were gigantic. I didn't know raccoons got that big. <laughs> one, of them, one of them was like 70 pounds, and um, uh, they were trying to eat our avocados in the avocado tree, and uh, those are huge avocados, by the way, and it turned, turned out that uh, they were probably really big because UFOs were constantly hovering over that tree during uh, coming to pick us up. Travis Walton reported that uh, the trees in the area, of his, his abduction grew like four or five times faster, and apparently it's true that UFO radiations uh, uh, cause uh, plant life to grow much faster than normal. Um, oh, that's what's but, going on at my house. <laughs> could be, could be. Yeah. Wow. Um, and um, it certainly works with pine trees and avocado trees. We know that for sure. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, I digress. But um, uh, I, I fed the animals uh, some cat food so that they would not eat the avocados, and then went to bed and woke up the next morning with um, a pain in the side of my head and. Um, a pain in my toe, like a weird stinging pain in my left second toe. And I just knew that they'd been there in the middle of the night. I don't remember anything except that they'd been there in the middle of the night and then I had two more implants. And um, And how old were you when that happened? 
I was. Were you doing this when you're older? Uh, that was in 2008, February 28th, 2008. So I was, um, I was, uh, uh, I was uh, 48 years old. Any idea why they're doing it at 48? Any, any um, theories? Um, they weren't sure they wanted, they were going to do it when I got reg- when I they wanted to do it when I got regressed over it. Um, I remember they they uh, they picked me up and then uh, when I was on board the craft uh, they waited for orders for about a half an hour before they proceeded with the operation. Um, mm-hmm. So they they knew that enough weird stuff had happened where I'd start an investigation if uh, if if something really strange happened like that. So uh, they were I guess they wanted to make sure that that's what they wanted, um, and um, I think they wanted me to. To get the device and then have it taken out, I think it was a it was a, a, a synchronicity that way. And um, I I contacted Dr. Lear soon after uh, that happened, and um, then found out for sure that this was going on. So that must have been what they wanted. Um, wow. And, now uh, I was reading that well, you're part of a breeding program. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, say again. They used you as a breeder. Um, Was that you? You're talking about or somebody else in that article? That you I were think a breeder? I, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, they've, um, they've collected uh, reproductive cells from me, and uh, from probably from probably from most, if not all, abductees and their uh, experiencers. And um, uh, I have reason to believe I've got some hybrid children. Uh, somebody else that um, somebody else that was abducted the same night I was at one point um, said that they saw me with uh, with two hybrid children. Um, I, I personally didn't remember that, but I think that was very interesting. Um, this is a um, a person that remembers a lot about her abductions, and uh, you'd, you'd know who I was talking about if I mentioned her name, but she didn't want her name being used. But um, oh, okay. Um, and, um, well, that's, so, that's, yeah. ha- that's happened. So. People thought, have seen each other on board ship, and then they talk about it later. It's like, oh, I remember oh, yeah. you on board ship. When I started going to conferences and learning more about this and and uh, getting more comfortable with the idea, uh, for what it's worth, I've had like 12 different people say that, say that they've seen me up there. It kind of freaked me out. But um, I guess it makes sense. I and mean, we're all a, a, you know, a, kind of an exclusive club. Yeah, I know. I've seen <laughs> exclusive <I> club. <laughs> We're in this exclusive I like that. club. What I call class two abductees. I don't, I don't think there's that many of us. I mean, people that have been implanted, trained, and used as part of the alien agenda. There's a lot more class one abductees that are just used to take samples from and and uh, treat as lab rats. And um, we're uh, we're, in my opinion, people that are, are actually part of the agenda, and and that's why we get used to it after a while because they have us working for them. Okay, that's um, uh, what was his name. So you think that you're working for them? Yeah, that's what I remember. I remember uh, installing equipment and working on um, working on uh, uh, artificial uh, artificial wombs or whatever you want to call them that that they use to um, to grow other greys and use for part of the part of the uh, incubation of hybrids. And uh, they have thousands of those on board a lot of the motherships. And um, I remember uh, uh, 
keeping people from escaping and calming people down and uh, helping them with surgical procedures, stuff like that. My goodness. <laughs> we haven't scared people. Well, there will be in fear of. So. <laughs> no, no. Wow, well, that's a whole other level stuff. of existence. Yeah, I mean, it's well, like, it's like them, we all have, we all have a secret everybody. life that even we don't know everything about or not that much about. And um, it's very frustrating at times to not uh, know exactly what's happening. But it, it, like I said, it helped me to know that... Um, that, uh, you know, the bare bones of what I was doing, at least. Before, I just knew that something strange was going on, and I knew darn well that it was real, but I didn't know what it was and couldn't figure it out and couldn't remember what it was, and it was right on the tip of my tongue, you know, what what happened, but I just couldn't recall it. And so it's, it's extremely frustrating and um, very, uh, very anxiety-producing, I should say. Well, there could be various levels of intelligence, just like we have the class system, because in my studies, in my research, and in my firsthand experiences, is we do still have a class system off planet. So, uh, you know, we've, <clears throat> we've been talking about all of us and the you and you when you close your eyes and finding your inner soul and each individual is an individual but what do we all have in common and the topic for tonight folks is nanotechnology we're speaking with steve colburn at uh tgmrct radio colburn b-e-r-n and he is an et experiencer he he apparently is an abductee as well so we need to maybe reclassify you would you consider yourself uh well we want to talk about nanotechnology i hope you have the definition pulled up there steve but also i've got you as et experiencer so maybe i should have put abductee can you explain well, I mean, the difference? I, I, I consider myself an experiencer slash contactee at this point, but I, I think I started out as an abductee. I don't, I don't really appreciated it too much when I was a kid, and they um, they seem to treat adults better than they treat children. Um, a lot of they they do a lot of um, really uh, painful medical stuff to um, uh, people when they're uh, younger, and um, that's all done by the time you're an adult, so they don't need to do it anymore. Um, so. Yeah, the, the nanotechnology yeah, is very. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add, uh, TJ. I think that that that's a serious dichotomy sometimes when you think of in terms of the abductor, experiencer, abductee. That the the someone who's an experiencer has had probably all the above, and that, that was really, mm-hmm. you know, just call them experiencers at a certain point because to yeah, it's a put continuum. them into different categories is too yeah. limiting. Yeah. Hello. Go ahead. What? Uh, Go Janet, ahead. Do, you, do you remember anything like that about working for the aliens or doing anything uh, uh, for them or during these experiences? Well, I yeah, I go I go on board and they have these. Well, I go to other planets. I go on board. I, I'm not even sure where I am half the time. It seems like sometimes I'm on other planets and. But they could be artificial environments inside of a ship. I don't really know. But I am, like, right now in the ambassador mode since I've relaxed about it. So now I go to these huge uh, meetings. I've been to one with over 100,000 individual species. And they made sure I knew that there's 100,000 beings here and there's no two alike. There's only one representative of each species. So I was reporting like the State of the Union address what it's like to be a, 
you know, 21st century human female living on Earth, and I asked for intervention. I I thought it was our our current system, a level zero the civilization, was too cruel, and that we had paid our dues as a species, and we needed the, some intervention and up leveling. And you know, I've tried to connect. I, I wrote it in a, a diary somewhere. I should go look at it, but. Then there was this information that came forth about the sphere being alliance, which I'm still trying to see, is that real? And it's a Corey Good stuff. I I haven't come to any kind of conclusion. I don't have enough hours in the day to do the type of investigation I'd like to. But I think I um, am a multidimensional being having simultaneously experiences on many levels. Um, I guess it's a new <laughs> new. Uh, uh, categorizing of uh, split personalities, but I apparently have, you know, different existences on different planets. Like sometimes I'll be a, a water being in the ocean and I'm, and I, and I come back here to this life and I, I access it when I'm sleeping. Um, and I go, wow, I, I just spent all night, you know, in the ocean and and this person, Janet, I'm terrified of going in the ocean with that person, was, <laughs> you know, flying through the air. And I identify it as self, but this makes us think what is self and what is apparent other, you know. Am I accessing uh, information of other people and it feels like it's me? I I can't really uh, categorize things, but I, I am, I apparently, I have other jobs. I go to another planet. I have an office. It, it access the building. Uh, the building is built into the the environment, like there's vegetation trees in the building. They seem to merge into one, and there's an outside elevator, and I, and I, I know where my office is. I know where my apartment is. It's just like this planet. I go, what the heck's going on? But, you know, the jury's still out. I have no idea. I can't it's prove anything. It's interesting that the, the ocean used to scare me, too. I, I actually took up diving to get, uh, get over my fear of it. But... Um... Um, that's interesting. I wonder if that's, an, if that's a general experience or thing. Yeah. Now, now and then I fly. Some, some. I mean, I don't have a, 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 you know, any kind of mechanical device. It's me, and I'm flying. <laughs> I really well, one like thing, it. One thing I noticed is that on board a UFO, um, they have a mode of piloting where. Um, where um, you put a helmet on and you can access uh, telepathically some cameras on the outside of the craft, and uh-huh. you can have it you can have it uh, the equivalent of the craft disappearing and you just being in a chair flying around without anything around you that's that's what it looks like and that's the way they fly yeah. those craft most of the time yeah it just I've heard that I've heard that so i I'm excited about it all for, for me, it's better than this earth where every, every day is somebody dying or getting yeah, blown I, up in some I, way I, tell, I always tell people that are that are scared that uh, that there are positive aspects to this and you and you should try to seek them out because they're you know once they figure they need you they're it's it's very unlikely they're gonna let you go so um, it's like being drafted into a high-tech foreign military. They, they remind me of a high-tech foreign military. And um, you get to see the Earth from space. You get to do stuff that people are lined up on Earth to do and probably will never get to. And um, and uh, you get to know things that nobody else knows. I mean, there are certain advantages to it. I'm, I'm well, at let's the talk point about where that bring it on. Yeah, go ahead. 
let's talk about in the cosmos now because uh, I don't know if anybody's up on uh, the Russian original uh, to the cosmos by electric train, but I suggest you may want to uh, look at that back in uh, Young Person's Pravda, in 1960, July 31, was a Sunday supplement. But uh, let's talk about the cosmos and how we get there. Now, you're saying uh, – now, let's say that this is your testimony because this, uh, share your, you're sharing your firsthand experience, and we could get an affidavit for a court of law, have you you know sign your statement sort of like they did back in – 2001 said people were willing to swear in court, right, when they took the disclosure project with Dr. Stephen Greer to the uh, press uh, club, right, over in D.C. But what I'm saying here, Steve, is apparently you've been around people and gone to conferences, which I have not. I've only uh, been involved back in the day, uh, uh, Eco Expo, Whole Life, where I met uh, one of Tommy's friends, uh, well, I won't mention any names right now, but anyway, a lot of us that have been with my friends uh, have worked uh, in in groups, but they weren't UFO-related. But what I seem to be hearing from you, and I already know Janet, I uh, think she may have met you uh, in California. Uh, maybe yeah, we've, we've met at we've met some Clara point. I don't, remember, I don't remember where it was, but, um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure we've met. Uh, I think she she did. Right. Janet, where were well, I What's don't that? remember exactly. I know, I know, Steve, that you have your booth at lots of events. You've had a booth or something. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. I used yeah, to have a booth so at the, uh, the UFO Congress, and uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing um, the booth again at the uh, UFO Con in um, Laughlin in, in March. Uh-huh. And um, yeah. people sometimes uh, uh, make appointments and and come over for scans too. And I scan them with uh, the UV light, Gauss meter. Uh, uh, Geiger counter, uh, stud finder, and um, uh, a uh, body temperature scan because uh, experiences usually have lower than normal body temperature, and uh, a, ra- a radio frequency detector to see if the uh, implant, if any, is giving off radio signals. That's interesting. Me yeah. and my daughter are both experiencers, and mine's always been below 98, and so is hers. I find that oh, yeah. that was an interesting point. I didn't know that. That's that a big that giveaway. was a common. Well, you know, since I haven't gone to these UFO conferences, never attended one in my life, apparently a lot of these people know each other because they go to conferences or vendors or speakers. And uh, a little different from my group, I know people that were bona fide or investigators or like Stanton Friedman, Richard Dolan, uh, Dr. Bruce McAbee, Ph.D., and then uh, Daryl Sims, and uh, even Nick Pope was in my radar, but very, very few. Now, I did not know about Dr. Michael Sala, Australia, and his uh, interest, but now he is categorized with uh, the Corey Good story and William Tompkins, and they call it the Solar War. war. Solar well, most of those people you mentioned war. have gone to conferences Solar. at one point or another. Okay. Solar Warden. Say that I again? They said the Solar Warden. No, are you are you talking you to Janet? Yes, yeah, Steve. What did you say? I, I'm sorry. You guys oh, I, I said I said, I said most of the people that she mentioned have been at conferences at one point or another. Um, uh, Daryl right. Sims and uh, uh, Richard Dolan and all those guys. Yeah, Dr. Bruce McAbee just uh, put out a book with Richard. He had told me he was going to let Richard uh, publish him because I was publishing myself, but I quit publishing for other people. And uh, trying to focus on reality and where we can go with all this in the future at the same time, because I, like you, have had 
interesting uh, experience in uniform and out. Now, you weren't any prior military, right? All this is, you feel like, is uh, memories or physical abductions with memories. Tell us where you're getting yeah. all this data, because it sounds like firsthand information, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. But for those listening, does, it, it, they could get it misconstrued. So all of this, and then how much of the conference does entail uh, cross-pollinating the data or the information from third parties? Uh, I'm not. I'm not repeating anything I heard from a third party. If, if I if I repeat something from a third party, I'll I'll, I'll say so that it came from a third party. If if not, then it's from uh, uh, my own experiences. But um, okay. Um, so going to these. Uh, how long have you been going to these UFO conferences? Since 2008, the first one I went to is the Central Coast UFO Symposium, which was a pretty good conference. And um, I, I figured that since I was involved with uh, um, alien experiences, that I should learn as much as possible about them. And I'd, I'd read Bud Hopkins' books and um, a few other things about uh, UFOs prior to that, but um, uh, I was still pretty much on the steep part of the learning curve when I started going to conferences. But uh, going to the UFO Congress was very informative. Um, that was definitely money well spent. Met a lot of people. My first UFO conference, or or second UFO conference, um, uh, this guy uh, John Rao, that used to run the the conference, uh, gave me some samples from uh, of UFO crash debris or alleged UFO crash debris from the San Augustine, New Mexico UFO crash that I got to analyze. And um, that's probably that analysis is probably still up on Art Campbell's website if people want to check it out. And um, did you was, uh, share anything with Daryl Sims or Dr. Roger Lear with that, or was he already passed, Dr. Roger Lear? When did he pass? Dr. Lear passed in um, March of 2014. Okay, so was any of that with the team or with Dr. Roger Lear? Is this on your own accord, your first hand? Uh, Gathering and uh, if you know what I mean, you're doing your own. Uh, well, I, uh, the, 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 sample, the samples I I analyzed with uh, the equipment I had available at work, and also um, uh, one test uh, trace element analysis test that we um, couldn't do there. Uh, uh, Open Minds paid for the the testing, and I sent them out to have those done, and uh, it was pretty interesting stuff. Um, Let's talk about nanotechnology. What right, do you know about, about that? that uh, well, nanotechnology is basically the uh, the study of um, of uh, substances that have um, that have um, uh, particles in them that are smaller than uh, one micron, or generally smaller than 100 nanometers. That's when um, quantum effects come into play, and there's a lot of, a lot of uh, changes in the properties of the substances when you have um, particles uh, of that substance smaller than 100 nanometers or so. And um, a nanometer being uh, one billionth of a meter. That's um, and a, 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 like a bacterial cells, a large bacterial cell would be about a micron across. And um, so we're talking a thousandth the size of a one nanometer being a thousandth the size of a large bacterial cell. Pretty small. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, uh, nanotechnology is important because you can, at least in theory, make um, very small electronics or very small mechanical devices um, with uh, the right substances and the right particle sizes. And um, this 
is stuff that we're just experimenting with in earthly science right now, but um, uh, it appears to be old technology to the aliens, like the the electronics in these uh, in these uh, alien implants uh, appears to be um, single wall carbon nanotube networks that are actually uh, embedded in the metal. Um, and um, I saw um, evidence of that in some of the San Augustine crash debris, and it was definitely that way in a piece of a uh, of an alien sphere that uh, crashed um, um, in Mexico that Tommy Masson gave me a piece of one time. <laughs> analyzed that too, and um, that was uh, quite interesting. It seemed like the electronics and um, propulsion and everything were built right into the metal, and then. And experiences, I remember um, that a lot of these craft have no door. The metal just opens up. So yeah, the uh, nanotech uh, actuators and power uh, uh, built right in. It's very interesting stuff. And furniture can come right out of the deck and form itself. Like you push a button and it just comes up. And you're done with it, it goes back in and stuff like that. Are um, you familiar with the buckyball? Yes. Honeycomb. C60. Yeah, C C sixty bucky balls are, are very lot. important. Yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed so far. Thank you. Wow, yeah, I had no idea, folks. I, I had no idea. Go ahead. When Go you ahead. Use the the term, explain that to our listeners, right? Uh, a bucky ball. Okay. A bucky ball. Uh, well, first of all, a, uh, I'll start with carbon nanotubes. Carbon nanotubes are um, tiny cylinders of carbon. Uh, the, the most stable form of carbon is graphite, and that, that's uh, a bunch of um, a bunch of layers of um, uh, two-dimensional uh, arrays of uh, carbon atoms that are arranged in like a chicken wire pattern, a hexagonal chicken wire type of pattern, um, and um, they are uh, held together uh, by strong um, van der Waals uh, interactions, and um, they're hard to get apart. But if you did get one. Uh, one layer of graphite uh, uh, on its own and separate and rolls it up into a tube, that would be a carbon nanotube. And you can have various diameters and various angles of the rolling. And the diameter and the angle um, determines whether that tube is uh, metallic or semiconducting. The metallic tubes um, are extremely conductive, and they're the next best thing to a superconductor. Uh, the, there's no resistance measured except contact resistance, and those could be used for uh, electronic wires um, with and can transmit electricity with very little loss. And the semiconducting tubes could be used to make diodes and transistors that are much smaller than the ones that uh, we use in silicon today and be much more durable, um, much more resistant to heat, etc. And um, um, on um, the fullerenes, if you took um, there's like at the end of a carbon nanotube, there's a dome of carbon uh, atoms that, that closes it off when it's first synthesized. And if you took two of those domes and hooked them together, you'd have like a buckyball. And um, the most common type of buckyball is C60. It's um, an array of 60 carbon atoms uh, arranged roughly in a sphere. And, and then the pattern is um, like that on a soccer ball. Um, if you took a soccer ball, Type of pattern. If you put a put a carbon atom at, at each corner of the the lines on a soccer ball. That's what it would look like. Um, and um, you can uh, do strange things like uh, interesting things like put metal atoms inside to change their properties. You can do the same thing with carbon nanotubes too, for that matter. I have a patent on that one, by the way. And um, wow, uh, how many patents do you own? 
Um, I don't own them, but I mean, I, I, my name's on uh, six or seven. I wish I did own them, but um, um, the, the law says that the inventor can use them, <laughs> so I might take them up on that someday. And um, uh, a buckyballs, um, one interesting thing about them is that they just found out that they double the lifespan, double or triple the lifespan of rats, so it might be um, something that uh, can increase human lifespan as well, and it might, might indeed Was be something that... Was that the Buckminster that, Fullerene, or the Fullerene mm-hmm. family, or is it, stri- or is it strictly the uh, combination C60. of the buckyballs? If you take C60 and dissolve it in olive oil, it's, it's, it's fat-soluble. If you dissolve it in olive oil and feed it to rats, uh, it uh, at least doubles their lifespan. Um, they found that out in toxicological, toxicological testing on that. And um, Are they working in, in the telomere area of humans yet, or are we allowed to talk about that? I don't know. How much are, in, are you into alien technology? I, I'm I mean, not sure. I don't I'm know if sure we're allowed or not allowed. Well, the, tel- right the telomer- now, telomeres are a hot topic of research too, and longevity. And it's not known how the buckyball uh, uh, buckyball solution works to lengthen the lifespan of uh, animals, but uh, it's quite likely they work by uh, lengthening the telomeres. Um, there's an enzyme called telomerase that, uh, that that gene is turned off in the adult in most animals, and if you could turn it on again with some substance, perhaps buckyballs. Uh, then you'd lengthen the telomeres, and um, the longer the telomeres, the longer your lifespan, because um, the telomeres are the ends of the chromosomes. It's repetitive DNA at the end of each chromosome, and um, when the DNA is replicated, the DNA replication enzyme has to go past the uh, coding DNA onto the end of the chromosome, and um, if the end of the chromosome is not uh, is not long enough, then the, the enzyme won't have enough space to to uh, duplicate the coding DNA, and then you're going to lose some, and then the, the cell then can die. So uh, the length of your telomere determines your maximum lifespan. It's going to get shorter and shorter every time the cell divides. Um, and it, it appears likely now that all it would take is a um, is a uh, slight genetic alteration or eating substances, ingesting substances that turn on this this uh, gene that makes this enzyme telomerase to give people a much longer or indefinite lifespan. Okay. Wow. Well, this is a lot of data. <laughs> Anybody out there data mining or intelligence, this is an awesome show. <laughs> I'm even impressed, and I'm on it. <laughs> wow. Well, good for you. 660 benefits, folks. Uh, Look in your C60. Uh, it's grabbed the attention of a lot of natural health people out there, yeah. and uh, the basic baby rat study published in 2012. Mm-hmm. So that's research uh, if you're into all that. And there's C60 in Canada. Are they allowed to sell it on Amazon or not? Um, yeah, yes? I, bought, I bought it. I bought it online before, and um, they can also potentially be used as like like nano bearings for nano machines and all kinds of uh, car- carbon nanotubes are also the strongest known material. So they're probably going to be used for a lot of nano stuff uh, uh, in the near future. Um, like, for example, you could use carbon nanotubes to strengthen metals. That's part of what, what the research I was doing is you could use them to either strengthen metals or make metals more conductive if you use the metallic varieties. Um, and, um, Do you use you phosphorus get- pentoxide? With it, do you use phosphorus pentoxide or not? 
Is that uh, different? Because you're a chemist, powerful, right? Powerful drying agent, uh, but um, yeah, you you could. I mean, if you wanted to put phosphorus uh, inside them or something, you, you could. Uh, I've I've never had occasion to do that, but um, yeah, you, you could. But you've been on board ship, and you know that those are live entities, uh, at least some of them, as far as artificial intelligence. Uh, have you worked in AI at all for the government or for contractors? Uh, no. With I, nanotechnology? I, no, no. Or only off planet? Yeah. But you do work off planet in the military? Or, are you, did you uh, have memories in civilian or uniform? I have both off planet. Uh, sometimes they put a uniform on me, um, but it's not a it's not a human military uniform. It's usually a, like a like a black uniform. Uh, uh, Uniform that's webbing, kind of like a kind of like a Tyvek type uh, stuff, or I think, I think I think some of it's webbed. Yeah. Whoops, sorry, my doggy. That's Coco. That's Coco. Sorry about that. Darn it. Uh, I have a lot of people in my house. I'm surprised you can hear me at all, but I keep trying to mute here. All right, uh, back to you, Janet. Nanotechnology. We're talking about folks and uh, how you can apply C60 in your own life. And we're going to try to help expose some of what people like Steve and me and Janet and other uh, ET experiencers or contactee, uh, I guess people are saying out there, uh, now we're in 2019 self-disclosure, is what do these people call, what are they, what is the gift? What is the mission? What is the purpose? How do you know more than another human being if you can apply the intelligence that you have to serve humanity, which a lot of people say that aliens are not good for anything because they have no firsthand experience. Or if they do, they only have possibly uh, in their genetic format or DNA that they are basically being used for uh, testing by the research departments. And the one thing about those departments was my husband and I said, well, they always put them back because that was something that's made for movie for television, and we don't like to discuss aliens or greys eating aliens or humans. But uh, allegedly there is, and I can't say, admit, or deny that I've seen uh, greys that eat through their skin or that other other species eat species or that the reptilians eat humans or any of that. So, uh, you know, we can talk about that in the next hour, but let's talk about right now what Steve Colburn here and uh, the chemist, uh, how did you get into this nanotechnology? We're leading off with that, folks, but I find it very curious that he is uh, with Janet and I and we're talking at experiencer level. But uh, and I wonder what Janet went coming on. A while ago, I heard the phone, but hold on, let me uh, put her back on. No, Janet, you, there you go. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, talking away, and you muted me. You invited me to speak. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, no, that's okay. Uh, I wanted to add, because you just said 100 things, and I forgot what I was going to say. I did. But I've been interviewing um, a lot of secret space programs, super soldiers. People. And, all these people, these are humans, and the reports are coming in that it's much more extensive than we can ever imagine, that uh, a lot of the humans are interacting and working alongside extraterrestrials. Some of them are in the military. Some of them are um, slaves. But apparently all humanity, were all slaves. Some of them. Yeah. Economic <laughs> slaves. But we're, we're well, all economic slaves. And we're, we're yes. yeah, inter, extraterrestrial, interdimensional, interstellar slaves. Anyway, they don't 
they don't really hold humanity in high regard. Apparently, they trade and sell us. Well, like it's a, a class system. A, a, a no, it's a class stage. system. Yeah, it's a caste class system. They think we're very primitive, and, and they 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 think they think that their their abductees are the best of humanity, but um, but they still think that we're uh, below <laughs> them. Is my impression. Right. Yeah. I got that so, feeling. You know, I got that feeling. They treated me good. Yeah, we're dealing well, with that. But good. I was treated very well. Yeah, they've, they've treated me pretty good too lately. So. Yeah, what I decided to show up and and add to the conversation. So it's really something when they ask you for your opinion and for you, you know, they invite you to talk. So I was very honored by that. And they're they're hoping what I get from my experiences is that I will be 65 in a couple of weeks. I've been doing this all my life. I came in conscious. They shut me off and they shut me down because I was talking at a very advanced level as an infant, and it was like, that you can't do. My mother was freaked out, and she kept trying to kill me. She thought she had given birth to a demon seed. So I was genetically altered, like you, Steve. And mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, I, I've i always suspected, like, I don't know if these people are really my parents. Uh, I might have some of their DNA. I, they raised me, but I always felt that there was something different about me. I had that stranger in a strange land that, phenomenon, you know, what am I doing here, who dropped me off, and please take me back, but uh, I think we're making progress, that's what I get, after um, 2012, TJ and I and Dr. Listen, we started interviewing people like crazy, for a while there, TJ, we were doing shows seven days a week, and then we cut it down to five, Yeah, we got here we are, many many years later, investigating, we're investigating, investigating, so I think that we are making headway. I think we're starting to um, – so I have a fellow that's been reporting to being uh, Dan Cooper, and, and he said that they're about to invite us to be the 61st species in this um, subgroup of the Federation. So apparently mm-hmm. there's about 300 species in the, the Galactic Federation, although we are intergalactic, and um, – but a lot of the species don't really want to be involved too much more than maybe commerce. But this, um, the ruling elite 60 species apparently have invited us to uh, join. And I heard that I had a conference at the end of October that I put on, and I sat beside Randy Kramer, and he said, yes, we have petitioned to be um, actively interacting with extraterrestrials, they're going to start walking among us. And um, I always thought they had never yeah. left. <laughs> they have, That's no, why I say we have a class. Yeah, we're so talking we're about <laughs> we're already interacting with them, and it'll be open knowledge. And I've been studying all these time travelers, and they're reporting the same thing that Randy, but they're interstellar time travelers. Yeah, they were, well, let's so talk what about we apparently that too, say right now, let me finish this, let me finish this, and then I'll pass it back. But apparently the major two things that humans trade on the uh, interstellar um, commerce market are um, is beer. They love our beer. They go, give me some of that earth beer. And um, they like our, our clothes, especially our children's clothes, because there's a lot of species that are very tiny and they don't have a lot of fashion. So we were laughing uh, our butts off at the conference, imagining little greys with their designer uh, human blue jeans made in China. Apparently the Chinese are providing all this stuff. And, uh, they're, of course, that's part of the money that they're 
uh, covering up, and then I had we had a couple of accountants, and they and they said that that would show if products are being shipped off planet, and so somehow they're 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 money laundering, so they can't exchange it. It was a very interesting conversation. Okay, I'll shut up now. You guys can take it. Take well, there's various in. levels of intelligence, right? There's various levels of intelligence. Depends on who's supplying the data and what their programming is. And apparently it's at various levels of uh, knowledge. And mine was based on we, where I come from or with the people that I deal with uh, at a higher universal level. They're not in the solar warden. That is very local interplanetary among this Milky Way galaxy, so to speak. And it's very uniquely different than those I deal with. But those that I deal with, you don't take anything because everything is re produced with anything like zero-point energy and tachyon. There's all kind of regulatory words uh, we provide environmentally, but we don't have to produce anything because everything is provided for us, including our clothes, and it just appears and disappears. Everything that we have uh, can be made. We want for nothing. So I don't know right. where you're at so in you that, have, but maybe um, we should – We don't have to worry you're, about you're, anything, of course. Right, yeah. Yes. So some species, um, you know, they have replicator technology. And anyway, I have no idea. I'm just reporting. I'm just a reporter. Don't shoot the messenger. Right, that's That's why I'm saying saying. we have different levels of intelligence. And you have to consider the source. And is it firsthand experience or information and from what level? And it's not about outdoing. It's strictly are you in the second, twelfth grade, or what level of – Humanity, I guess maybe hidden humanity or the secret space program are you in? Because there are various levels. Some people may work off base, some may work on base, some may work on planets, some may work interstellar, some may work in the stratosphere even with people like uh, uh, Sir, what's his name? Uh, oh, Virgin Airlines. I never can't. Richard, do you know Branson. it, Steve? You know? Yeah, Richard Branson. Brit. Thank you. Yeah, some may work with him, or some may work with the uh, old guys in the CIA that are now working with uh, Tom DeLonge to the stars. <laughs> just so, saying, we don't just, know, uh, right? Let me just clarify. Let me just clarify because I'm sure they can't have replicator technology, and then they still like things. They might like to have oh uh, something, you know, like a, a an artifact from the Earth. Can't take it from the planet. Not allowed. Yeah. Remember, we can have anything. I mean, Why would we take something? Anyway, we can I'm have anything. Saying, I'm just saying Think they about might it. want some blue jeans from someplace. They might want a piece of art. You also don't bring somewhere. anything from space they, here because it disappears. I've had things appear and disappear. That, maybe there's certain aspects of things like that are made by hand that can't be replicated, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They still, they apparently in space. I don't know what the rules or laws are. You know them. I don't. I'm just reporting what I know. But there's that apparently they like to trade. Uh, you know, human beings like wipe out a, a, you know, we have a whole history of war. Oh, I've mean, a lot of historical things. But the first thing they do when they when they reestablish peace is they start trading again. And this goes back, you know, two, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand Indian. years. Humans, humans <laughs> like to trade. And so apparently nothing's changed in space. It's just like the Ferengi in Star Trek and the humans mm-hmm. like barter and trade. That's what I heard. Galaxy I Federation, Star, Star Trek. It's, yeah, it's 
Frankie and their like rules that. of acquisition. Right, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Talk about and strange, well, but yeah. Star Trek was real. Roddenberry was a, uh, was telling us what was really going on. And oh, yeah, um, the, the, the science fiction is is very very close to reality. I mean, the, the, I guess Hollywood's not that creative after all. They've based a lot of this on Abductee reports. I'm convinced of it now. Mhm. Mhm. All okay, right. Well, let's we get back on topic. See. Nanotechnology. <laughs> let's go back. Mm-hmm. That was pretty interesting, well, but we've we have digressed. <laughs> Local mm-hmm. television and uh, TV, but we usually we do. do. That's okay. <laughs> Yeah. We can relate to TV, and I use that today too, Janet. By the way, I ask how many were Star Trek. I wasn't getting anywhere. It was a room full of psychic people that all came to have their palms read, or, or their chakra readings, or uh, tarot card, or crystal, or something. But I mean, I, I was in a room, and I had like six times eight, probably forty-eight on one side, full house, like a hundred people in the room, and and I was shocked because most of them had only five had been in the military. And not one of them was a UFO enthusiast. <laughs> and guess what my subject was? UFOs and ET UFO. disclosure. And they had no clue what I was talking about. One guy, one guy knew Corey Good. <laughs> Two girls liked Gaia TV. So I was like, are you kidding me? I've got 100 people, five are military that understand a briefing and one guy knows who Corey Good is, and two girls knew Gaia TV out of a hundred, and I blew my mind. Just to let you know, folks, it's not as uh, it's not what we think it is out there. But now these people, they come every six months to one of these in uh, Navarre, which is between all the military bases. Now, one girl did approach me on the TR3Bs, which, folks, you know, we've been talking about the black triangles for years. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and the the patent is out there. So, uh, you know, at least one girl, she was uh, not in the military, but she was uh, approached by military because she has skills by man and woman. So she wanted to share that. But she said she and this guy that did know Corey, at least two of them said because the girl that uh, is the promoter came in the room and said, TJ, you know, she, she said, I'm going to do a little advertisement for you. But she came in among these people and told them that I would like to have a UFOET group formed monthly and i said only with your help because <laughs> it's like pulling teeth down here so you know if i'm, I'm going to get the best and the cream of the crop of people at least i would think that are open at least to higher consciousness extrasensory perception esp you know the skills for psychic awakening and psychic powers you know that we all have a soul and the soul comes you know the psyche soul and so all of that, if you understand that. So maybe we should talk about that, but we've got nanotechnology. Stephen Colburn, he goes by Steve Colburn. He's been on several radio shows, and uh, he has been to many conferences, and he met Janet at one up in Northern California a few years ago or a couple of years ago. But we're talking nanotechnology and the Janet manipulation of matter on uh, the atomic molecular <laughs> super molecular scale. Oh, <laughs> you right. did, didn't you? So uh, Janet's helping because she's an ET experiencer, and she began with me and uh, Tommy Hawksplay back in 2012. And we saw all three gone our own separate ways uh, with our own radio shows here on Blog Talk, but we've done a really super job of all joining and getting it out there to the public in the ways that we market. But we still like to come together and share, and we all have that we can share and download, so we hope you will do that. So that's my little commercial. So back to Stephen Colbert. Uh, <laughs> I wish. No, 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 no,
Steve Colburn. Colburn. <laughs> Steve Colburn. Can we, can we perhaps have some people call in with some questions about nanotechnology? Or, um... Do you have anything No, it would be board? better if you discuss it. Okay. <laughs> it would be better if you discuss um, it because – the reason is most people aren't going to know about nanotechnology, and if they do, they can look it up on Google. So we use Google okay. for that. But uh, the reason is I could let somebody on here if you want to talk to somebody else. Well, that's right. We'll discuss it a little bit more. I'll yeah. just continue where I left off. Um, so I, I explained what single-wall carbon nanotubes are. And there's also um, there's also double-wall and multi-wall carbon nanotubes where you have um, you have uh, uh, one or more carbon nanotubes uh, inside another look kind of like Russian dolls, um, and um, you can have uh, up to perhaps uh, ten or so uh, layers. And of course, those are much larger diameter than the single wall carbon nanotubes in general. Uh, double wall carbon nanotubes are actually uh, very, um, uh, very interesting because um, they're more conductive. Uh, than single wall carbon nanotubes because there's a higher probability that if you have two, there's a higher probability that one of them is metallic and has, has the uh, the high conductivity. Um, so um, we did a lot of work with uh, with small diameter double wall carbon nanotubes uh, in my old job, and um, I found a um, a way to um, uh, make um, carbon nanotube wafer material. They call it, they call it wafer material, uh, which is um, it's it's this stuff it looks like um it's kind of reminiscent of um of um i guess stainless steel or something it's really it's really springy and it's very flexible and it um it's uh how strong is it compared compared to titanium since you're mentioning that it's uh it's very strong for it for its uh for its thickness i mean we we had pieces that were only about 30 nano 30 30 uh, microns thick that um that uh, were would stand up to several pounds of force. Um, compared to titanium, it's probably about a fourth as strong as titanium, I guess. Um, which uh, it would be way stronger than titanium if you could make it uh, defect-free. Um, this is just an, an initial attempt, but we found some solvents that actually dissolve uh, uh, single-wall and double-wall carbon nanotubes, and we, you can evaporate the solvent and make it into these this wafer material and it's, it's conductive and it's uh, it's quite strong so one problem that we that that the industry has come up against with carbon nanotubes is that there are um there are uh, dozens of different um in single wall carbon nanotubes there are dozens of different uh, chiralities and diameters of these things and they all have different properties and so it would be uh, very good if you could separate um each type and uh and purify it um and um, that, and that's been done by um by uh, uh solvent uh, surfactant and centrifuge based uh, processes but it's it's very very expensive and so what we still need to find is a um a relatively cheap process or much cheaper process to separate these uh, these things into their different chiralities um either, well, in medical, either that or are they patented one type good I wanted to ask you uh, in medical now. I've I've heard this. Now correct me if I'm wrong. This is your thing, and I'm just floating the surface on nanorobotics in medical field. Mm-hmm. But I had heard, or somebody told me, they swallowed a camera like in a capsule. <laughs> now is that oh, dealing yeah. with nanotechnology or not? And if so, what is that that they're swallowing? Well, small in, cameras? in um this in this day and age, uh, just normal uh, silicon-based electronics are small enough where you could put uh, 
put a, a camera in a capsule. Um, you don't necessarily need to have nanotechnology for that, um, but um, they're talking about uh, doing things like having having cameras in uh, a grain of sand or you know, something something that size or smaller. Um, I was told we've had that for over a thousand years in our video game consoles. We just aren't aware of it. Like we're not aware of fractal parts in our cell phones. <laughs> Well, that, the honeycomb be, and the fractal. I mean, the, the, the military, the military is uh, always at least 50 years ahead of civilian technology. A lot of people don't know that, so it's possible. I heard a thousand um, years. I, I've heard a thousand. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I just, yeah, it's, and, it's, it's at least at least 50. Some people some people say a hundred. I'd never heard a thousand, but it's certainly possible if they were using reverse engineered alien technology. The aliens. Now, I heard way, that or, recently. It's hard to say how far advanced they are, but it, I used to th- I used to think it was only a few. They were only a few hundred years in advance of us, but boy, I was sure wrong about that. I've seen them do some stuff that I can't explain. You know, there's no even theoretical way to do it that they did it. Um, they used to say three hundred. Apparently, yeah, depends on who's providing on species. it. <laughs> right, so, because they don't they don't really share everything apparently between the species. They do covet no. similar technology, and they just don't share it. Apparently, like the Chinese are mad at the Americans because we were given a higher level technology than what they have. So China, the Chinese are still using um, uh, rocket type things and launching a rocket. And same with the Russians, but the Americans. Have the TR3B and the uh, T. Uh, they they have a lot more than that. That's just what's known. Yeah, they have a lot more than that. The US government has any gravity technology perfected since the 1990s, is my understanding. Right, right, right. So they were they were experimenting with it in the in the 80s, and they lost a bunch of test pilots perfecting it, but they finally did so. Right. So you know we have even. More advanced technology, yeah. But apparently, but there's species like uh, you know the sphere being lions. They have plat or they have the um, what's it called level eight. Uh, the energy. Uh, uh, I have to go look it up. Sorry, I'm not I'm not really using the right term. But they have uh, much more advanced than anybody else. So that's what. That's how they're. I wouldn't agree with that. Going here. <laughs> but I'm not on one of those story. panels. This is the story. This is the story. Right. Um, when you were okay, let me ask you, TJ, a couple of questions. Oh, I want to say one thing. When uh, one time I had a man come to me and he said that he was a SEAL in the eighties. He got injured. He was over Middle East. They lifelighted him to either France or Germany to an American hotel, uh, not hotel, American hospital there, and they used um, nanotechnology and they did send a uh, camera through his bloodstream. So he got he had a copy of uh, the, the movie, and so he was he was talking to me and he was confessing all this stuff. And I don't know his name, so no, I don't even remember his name. I didn't ask, I didn't want his name. I just was, you know, taking the report because he wanted to, you know, tell me this stuff's going on. This is back in '95 that he told me this. So anyway, this has been around for a long time. Oh. The problem, the problem with putting a camera down somebody's bloodstream is that you wouldn't be able to see very far through for all the the red cells there. But if it, if it was close it enough may, to the, it, it to the walls, it may have been some other. Yeah, maybe no, it was just some, swallowing. Um, a ninety-five, I don't remember. Maybe he swallowed it, 
Anyway, it followed mm-hmm. down with whatever it was uh, to, to where the injury was, and he was able to get a recording of the, the, the repairs from the inside with this mm. nanotechnology, something wow. like that. But that was a long time ago, and my memory is That was on the, the planet. <laughs> the, that's on planet, not off planet, right? Right. So Janet, that was rumored humans. to be... That was human. Yeah. That was not a planet. But they off planet. What they're saying they have is um, just like on Battlestar Galactica. You get wounded, you lose an arm, you lose a head, you get killed. They put you in this uh, this bad material, and you they revive you because where the super soldiers are so valuable that death is not an option. They do not allow them to die, <laughs> and they revive them over there because they're highly trained and uh, very valuable. Well, they're talking about um, about making medical nanobots that can automatically repair uh, damage to the body, kind of like the Borg have on Star Trek, where um, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you, get a, you get a wound and it automatically heals in a matter of seconds or minutes. And um, I know that it's possible to make um, a, a beam that um, that heals things uh, like a factor of between 10 and 100 faster than normal, like uh, like Dr. McCoy had on Star Trek. Um, the aliens mm-hmm. use that technology as well. Um, if you combine the two, uh, I would think that you'd, the being the being combining those two technologies would be virtually um, immortal, uh, unless you got right. you know completely blown up or something. So some species live uh, hundreds of thousands of years, if not millions of years, and some species have you know shorter life expectancies. So TJ. Uh, we have like what twenty minutes left. I'd like to ask you some questions. I'll tell with you. With Steve being here, eighteen minutes. Um, so, okay. Yeah. So TJ was on. Um, she's in the in the secret space program, uh, and she was also in there, a lot of the secret space program people. Not actually not many, but some have a cover job. Which is their real life job, and that's how they get paid. And then they they're actually spies or in the secret space program. So T, TJ's in the in the category where she had a, a a front job, which was her, you know, one why she got a paycheck, and then her other job she did behind the scenes. So she's been in the military. I was on Johnson A. Hall, which is a military base. And I was civilian, but apparently oh, wow. I had a function there too. Um, and I, I work internationally, Steve. <laughs> Seems like a cool place. <laughs> I'm on the international council. I've always wanted to go there. I do well, advisory council. I yeah. do advisory council work, intergovernment right. relations and intergalactic mm-hmm. relations. But <laughs> it's a totally different level of existence than uh, Solar so, Ward or Twenty and Back programs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So sorry, what, what are I get you tickled. To talk about. Uh, TJ and I have had non-governmental organizations, <laughs> and, and and she gets uh, All right. shy about talking about her stuff on. And I'm telling Self TJ, disclosure. You bring this I'm fine. out. If you bring it out, you're going to shift the whole planet and move on. <laughs> Randy Kramer, here comes TJ Morris. Blowing out but, the woods. <laughs> uh, what would you like to say? What would you like to say today on the show with Steve? So he can witness you, and you can, you know, talk well, to me besides me. 
What would you like to say? Steve, you haven't about worked in involved. the government, but you've done non—you've done contractual work, non-government organizations. With the reason I'm asking, we have an international council of nanotechnology. I think, I think so. I, I have reason to believe they loan me out to the government once in a while, but um, I, <laughs> okay. I, I have memories along those lines. I'm not sure what to make of some of them, but we'll discuss that some All other right, time. All right. Well, we have an. Okay. We have an advocacy program, and I think Janet's wanting to know who's running it, but I have the Allied Command, okay? And we work globally, universally, and uh, basically we're coming out at an international level because we're working on a – hopefully uh, we're, we're working on ISS, the International Space uh, a Ship, maybe, spacecraft. <laughs> but anyway, we have that locally, but we have uh, many countries working on it. And we have NASA, right? Here, but they work with globally, so uh, that's one level, uh, inter uh, internationally, we'll say. And then we if you, it, compare that in space; that's one level. So I can talk about that, but you know, we have plenty of engineers, scientists, and even so. What have you done, TJ? You, talk about yourself. I've what worked, have you done? I personally. I have personally worked at a higher higher level because I have those personalities like a traveler, an observer, an archivist, a historian. And yet uh, when I was chosen, uh, and that's what they called it, sort of like Bill Tompkins, you plug into the Corey Good, Bill Tompkins, uh, Emory Smith, Michael Sala, because they're the one on the entertainment industry with Dr. Stephen Greer, and they're all approved, and we're using some of the old CIA, NSA, uh, FBI people. So everybody read Dr. Bruce Maccabee's book, please, and uh, Colonel Philip well, we'll Corso's book. International Council on Nanotechnology is uh, important. Uh, it's uh, Important because that's where we're going at the smallest, minutest on one thing and why Steve's on here. But Steve and I haven't had a chance to discuss our levels of existence. And each person that knows me, I only go to the level that they have a knowledge acknowledgement of or can speak on a certain level. I don't speak all these world languages, but I do. I can tell you off base, Steve, that uh, I was privileged to have when I was among people that were hum- humanoids. And uh, had past life memories or maybe uh, served uh, with the real World War II or were observers that they would be uh, – look like me, but they could be thousands of years old. So I don't understand that. So we're working oh, wait, on that. Let's say that I want to know that. TJ, I'm, I'm so confused. Let me break it down. Let, right, me so people, it. let me unpack it for you. Right. So t- let me just ask one of the questions at a time. Okay, because you, you go off on a tangent, and I don't know what the hell you're saying. So you okay. are saying you worked with the Brill, yes or no? Not me personally, but people I worked Brill? with. They were they were strictly okay, so observers of what hum, human humanoids were doing, the ones that were born here. But they come and go at the universal level to come down and monitor only the progress. It's like right. compare so it Brill, to the Star Trek. The Brill, compared to the Star Brill Trek. Was, okay. No, let's not, let's not do – I just want to do one topic at a time. Well, the reason so the world, is because I have to bring see, it down, what, step what it you, down. What, what, were, what did you do? So you were on board I work a, at an intergalactic – universal. I work at a higher – I work universe to universe to okay. universe. And that was on It's a the ship? Russian doll theory. Yes. Right. And you were on a ship? And describe your ship that you were on. Well, it's gigantic. It's miles long. <laughs> Literally miles. Okay, uh, we, so the ones where is worked, it located? Universally above all the uh, place where you would see the 
galaxies. It's above a universal level, and it stays hidden completely. They can't pick it up. We told them at one time uh, we switched to microwaves, so they all switched to microwaves. But then I was sort of fibbing about that, too, because I was told to, because they're not going to be able to pick them up. They don't have the comprehension. Uh, they don't even have the type molecular structure the because they don't give about? them. The the local, uh, people on the planet, those that we work with in humanoid form, those on the planet, so everybody that's born here. can't see this ship. They're not hybrids. No. So humans can't see this ship. No, it, it's different. We've traveled, it's faster than the speed of light, let me put it that way. If you can't see faster than right, the speed of light, you're not going to see it. Well, anyway, it's not detectable. Ship, that's okay, not even in the space time. Let's just yeah, talk you know, about you what your job it. is on the ship. Don't worry about it then. Well, I, we I woke up. What's your job I woke there? up to, well, after death and dying many, many times, I, I told you I'm an archivist, a historian, but basically I signed up uh, to work in communications this time based on past life history and, and universally on in the, the planet because I had been here nine times before. No, in human right. form, in this, in this reality. Not not another reality, but uh, it's right. So uh, as a human being, you signed up in the military to be a communications officer. No, Uh, here I'm an intelligence. I'm considered an investigator. So I signed up under advisory council intergovernment relations as an ambassador of goodwill for ACRR advisory council, and then went international when I got my clearance level bumped up from uh, 20 years of uh, research on me from 1967 to 87, and then I became a rehire, civilian and in uniform for this country. And what American did you do country. in the secret space program? What did you do in the secret space program? I do what... What was your job uh, in the secret space base, program? I, I'm able to... Uh, it's, it's like phase spacing. Now, see, we're going to have to get into a whole new different level Steve, help me out here. Let me get Steve to break this down. Steve, the way you remember how I was interested in how you phased or how you phrased personality splits? You oh, can yeah, be yeah, in sure. several dimensions at one time, but you know you have memories right. there like past lives, but you don't know if they're past lives or if you're a time traveler. I was brought in yeah. to explain I'm not, I'm to. You followed me? You can be different? Yeah. Okay. I can be talking to you here because you can hear my voice. Now, up in space, it's a little different. But uh, that's why a lot of the uh, various species don't have to use a mouth because everybody can speak on various different waves. Uh, and basic, And then that's only the lower levels because there's another level of comprehension that I couldn't even understand on the plasma screens because I didn't even understand all that existed. So they were teaching me at a lower level, but I didn't understand a lot of the higher levels, so I couldn't even comprehend it, to be honest with you. So when I'm in a biological form in in visiting this planet, or like we say, we're just visiting this planet, those of us that are hybrids, just visiting, you know, Mm -hmm. with biological, and you're chosen into the program that William Tompkins – talked about is the fact that uh, these are the ones that are over a thousand years and why he was so intrigued with me is you know brunette blonde whatever are those that they call the nordics right 
So it's because we have the ability to be non-locale, if I can go there. Uh, people that are biologicals have a reference of only uh, uh, time, space, let's say three-dimensional is the best way to say it, three-dimensional, and that's why we use linear. So when you start talking to people in a different way, they have no point of origin without a biological. It's like a biological clock. It's set for 125 years, and uh, the DNA and the telomeres, and they just decay biologically. But we don't have that, so that's where I was going to go with that. But at the same time, it doesn't exist because you're not just non-local. You can be everywhere in everything at all times. That's why right. teaching, you know, Russell Targ, help it off, why they were working with the CIA to learn about, or teaching, uh, what was that guy that, um, Steve, you may know, it doesn't matter. But anyway, the one guy, Ingo Swan, I think, taught. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah so you, you have to probably. step it down. Yeah, you have to step it down, and that was one of the first levels of existence for the, our government to understand reverse technology was uh, Stanford Research, SRI, in, in California, where Steve lives. But SRI and then the hidden history of humanity with the, uh, the calendars on the planet, it's real complicated, but it's very simple. Once you start putting all the nanotubes together <laughs> – <laughs> all the knowledge together, but basically, we're at this. At a, 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 a it's a very, see, I, it's I, a very interesting universal it level. English, it, it, we're trying to translate universally. It into English, it well, that's package. why I'm breaking it down and, to. The only thing people are at right now, they don't even understand most of the words. Period. They don't. It doesn't exist. They can't comprehend it. So when I mention something like the real, people go somewhere. Oh, World War Two. Ah, oh, German. Ah, oh, uh, uh, Masons. Uh, well, I Himalayans, just, I've never Tibet. heard you mention the real. Was that part of your oh. mission coming here? No, no. They, uh, I was talking real? about. No, well, what I was talk talking about, about. If you go back mission. and listen. Yeah, this. Uh, this I was trying to explain to you people real. I worked with. I was trying to explain to you about people that are uh, look like me and they're my age looking, but they'll be thousands of years old. And I took you to where they right. come and go, including back observing during World War II in the Vril and, you know, past like uh, the Enuma so Leash, uh, the wars like, uh, in your, space. The Vril were, were not your the, people. As a historian. The Vril the were not your people that you were working with. Or were they? Well, that was before it's your like, time well, in this form. Were you in the other uh, form as another ET in that time period? Well, let's just it's say we all have fortune. past life memories. We can claim memories because it's based on okay. firsthand information. So I have memories so you have a being here, I told you nine times, here. at right. least nine yeah. times. So when I pull those together, then I become a historian or archivist. But some people call it a time traveler because you have memories. Some people call it a life mission or soul purpose, depending on what level of intelligence or language or primary source for reference. So it's all about articulating. And my weak point, Gene, just so you know, or those for listening, is uh, I had a level of communication that I could not deal with. I didn't understand how to break down uh, being everywhere to uh, uh, biological. 
So my thing was to come back and learn how to communicate. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. That's what I'm so trying to help you dying, with. Yeah, after death and I'm dying trying, and death and dying. I'm trying to help you with communicating because you, you go, you go, you go. Oh, I'm trying and, to improve it. Yes, I'm trying to improve it. But you have to allow yourself to be, you know, Dr. Michael Fox, um, what they started with yes, no questions with him. Cause he yeah, I don't even know who that all is. All the time. <laughs> well, anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway. I get what you're saying. But so what happened in nanotechnology. In order to start unpacking it, in order to unpack it, you just have to go mm-hmm. yes, no, yes, no, and answer, answer okay. the questions for a while. And then you can well, go Well, it depends on the person. When you go into details, anybody, anybody who's been, uh, whatever this is going on, it's like it's like a, the Tower of Babel and nobody understands what you're saying. Well, why did, because okay, because I invited Steve. So, I know, yeah, but I invited Steve, and why did you want left. Steve... Why did you want to ask me in front of Steve? Because the whole world's going to be listening or can tune in on YouTube sooner or later. Steve Most to people won't. I understand your involvement. I, I wanted to have oh. Steve understand <laughs> your involvement in the secret Steve. space program. <laughs> and yeah, and so Steve, do you have any questions for TJ? We have four uh, minutes yeah, left. Yeah, I, have, I actually have a, a question that maybe is a little off topic, but it's something that the literature is not too clear on. And you guys have mentioned the uh, the Nordics, and maybe you know the answer to this. And I know the Nordics are, are aliens that look human, but who exactly are they? I have a fair amount of knowledge about the Greys, but I, I know nothing about the Nordics, and I just wondered if they were okay. gray-human hybrids or if they were the same as Pleiadians no. or a separate group or what. No, pure, a totally different species, totally white. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They came down. We have Nordics that are dark with brown hair, skin and brown black hair on the lower surface levels, and off-planet they live in mind as terra firma, uh, they are the ones that are the uh, groundkeepers, custodians. They have black hair, brown eyes, uh, okay. darker skin, and and they live along oceans. And and uh, they're very terra firma. Does that make sense? And then, then they you have Earth, those then? that live. Oh, they they prefer terra firma. Uh, okay. How does one say that? Uh, I don't know the word. They prefer to terraform planets. They're creator okay. god types. Then you have those that are of the sky, are from the heavens came, and uh, they live uh, – when they come down, in, in answer to your question about just strict – now, people don't get lost – strictly the word Nordic, that is used in terms of Norway and the mm-hmm. Himalayas as well. And in the ufology world and alienology world, Nordics are completely different species from the sky. Meaning they are white. They have no real reason for melanoma. Uh, they have no reason for uh, what you said makes hair color. Wasn't that you that said that? Uh, I don't know why I'm saying that to you. Maybe I'm psychically picking that up. But you can go back and listen. Anyway, we don't ne- have a need for color in space. So therefore, we may have some there pale white, pale gray. Yeah. Pale blue. There, there's no need because there's no solar warden. There's no yeah, solar you don't have to system. Yeah, or UV light. Right. Plus, yes. And then some of them come in various sizes. We even have vapor people. They don't even have. And this isn't off the of Stargate, folks. This is just because it's in my uh, database or what I'm programmed with as a track. Right. So, so these, so, so these are different, a different, a totally different group or species than the Pleiadians. Yes. Yes. And the Pleiadians, Pleiadians also come exist. From Pleiades. Okay. Well, that's just inter, okay. inter, inter, yeah, that's intergalactic, but that's inside this solar system. Uh, 
the ones that are called Pleiadians actually uh, relate to a planet they call Pleiades, or a star mm-hmm. system. So mm-hmm. it depends on who. Because there's some people that use Venus, and I got in this discussion with Stan T. Friedman, because uh, some of the people that were visitors used Venus, and I said, well, the Venus planet isn't the same Venus that are Venuvians, right? And so this is where they got it mixed up. It's sort of like information, disinformation, and misinformation. What are we talking about? Are we talking about the planet Venus and the solar system? Get it? Or something out farther. So these are the things we're now establishing in soft disclosure. Is what exactly are we communicating? <laughs> What's the, the meaning behind the word? Named Val Thor that was, that was said to be from Venus that worked in the Pentagon for a while, yes. and I'm pretty sure that story is true. So he came from a planet called Venus and another, from another solar system? or. No, I don't know because Venus. you'd have to ask him. He, he came, he came from this Venus. He came from our oh. Venus, and they, and they have, they have a uh, civilization on this. Uh, they, we had a lot of the valuable okay. people at my conference. So, yeah, so yeah there, and I'm just giving you my term. There seems to be a huge cover-up going on about our our planet Venus, uh, just like there is about Mars. Uh, there's very little information yes. uh, available on it, even though they've sent several probes there. Um, and hey, uh, I frankly, we'll have to have you back. Yeah, Janet, we'll yeah, have Steve back since you like. Uh, I think you bring out some good things, and Janet wants to hear, and so she knows now that you're familiar. And other people, we're, we're really supposed to be off the air, so we'll still probably be recording a few minutes, but we need to go. But, Steve, can we have you back maybe Thursday if Janet wants to do Thursday, and I'll uh, turn Saturday sure. back over to another guy. Sure, yeah. So I have, yeah. All right, let's do this, and that way you can have time to – Everybody talk about nanotechnology and the cosmos and how Janet wanted Steve to talk and then me talk, apparently. But he, she wanted Steve to hear me talk. So this is interesting. Uh, I wasn't yes. ready for that dynamic. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, I'm willing to talk more. And Steve does have a level of grounding for me, Steve. So congratulations. You have a very grounding oh, effect for me. Thank you. Yeah, so, and you understand what I'm saying. It's easier to speak. Yeah. Uh, people have different waves, folks, when you're talking in sound waves. And different people can anchor other people where Janet can hype me up, bless her heart. Uh, and that's okay when it comes to energy. <laughs> but that's okay. It's just with me. But I think her voice is a little – but we need to get into that, Janet, with some of your musicians and you know all of that. That's sacred geometry and sound and vibrations, unless Steve wants to get into it. But we ask him to come and help us with nanotechnology. So, Steve, are you uh, – just before we get off here, are you uh, eclectic, I guess one might say, in the alienology world? Uh, yeah, I know a lot about a lot of things, if that's what you mean. Um, I, I'm, okay. I'm very, very, um, I want to know everything about everything, uh, ideally, and I try to know a lot about it, a lot about a, a, a variety of subjects. All right, well, learn about the International Council of Nanotechnology called ICON for me. Uh, mm-hmm. they have, they're multi-stakeholder, and there's groups committed to learning how to control nanotechnology, okay, in, in mm. the government, outside the government for industry, and okay. research and development. And that is technology-driven, basically, but you know how we get picky globally. So there is an advocate engaged, and uh, we'll see how that goes forward with uh, our work uh, internationally. So I'd like to say that I'm an American that is working in culture 
that shares international relations or how we speak and communicate to those globally. And I've asked Janet and Tommy and all these people to help me with Stargate to the Cosmos, but also with Ascension Center and Allied Command. And I'm going to be very choosy who I choose to put in these groups. But right now, just so you know, Steve, we have various social media people that don't have the funds to to be uh, professional entrepreneurs, and they do this free on social media, basically the slave race inside the Internet. So we, we provide data content into the internet right now <laughs> so we're working with a lot of free social media our meetup groups monthly and so uh we'd like to have you back and ask you if you'd like right, to be cool. in our aco association or ufo association or alien hunters whatever or all the sure, I'd, I'd be honored that'd be great thank Excellent. you okay because everybody's volunteers thank yes. you janet thank you, so much. thank you so okay. much thank you so much Yes. All right, Thank nice you, Janet. Aloha. I appreciate Thanks your questions. All right, okay. Steve, call me Bye-bye. and when we get off. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. And Steve, you were great. Uh, we you. sort of ran over time. And uh, you're great. And uh, Janet brings a flavor of wanting us to talk and get to know each other that I really do appreciate, folks. It's just yeah. I'm not used to being asked questions. <laughs> <laughs> I like to not talk sometimes and just listen and put it together. So, But, uh, Steve, I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I want to talk to you more about nanotechnology and uh, whatever yeah, other good. topics you can send me. And I appreciate okay. you being in, in a friend in social media, and, in, and maybe we'll find out more about you and uh, how we can uh, communicate, as that is my weakest link. <laughs> and... Uh, Maybe you can help me, and I would really appreciate that. Maybe you have a way to switch me on and off and, and uh, you know, other people. It depends. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but psychically, it depends on the sender and the receiver. Have you ever heard that psychically? Oh, uh, yeah. With, uh, yeah, I think I've heard that. Yeah. Sixth Sense. You know how some people's voices just rub you the wrong way or you don't yes. understand, <laughs> it, even though we're all Definitely. human. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's and that's so. Uh, this is communications, and I want to know more about all of that and how it all works. But yes, I'm very passionate about what we do, and communication is my weakest link. Meaning, I'm not fond of it, but I'm I'm okay with learning. Why am I back here to communicate that which to me seems redundant? However. I feel like second verse, same as the first, but apparently there's levels of consciousness, and I do believe – I may not agree with the class system, but I understand that people at one point in the soul matrix chose the angle to the dangle, so to speak, or mm-hmm. whether they wanted to be an angel or extraterrestrial or some that wanted to work with Satan or some wanted to work with uh, who else besides Lucifer? They wanted to work with Jesus or Jehovah or Yahweh or all the other names that we use. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. this may or may not be the truth. I don't know, but these names evoke thoughts. So in communication, we have taxonomy and epistemology, right? Learning how to co-create with each other and develop communications. So if you could help me do that, that would be major. And uh, you're going to be going to these conferences. Uh, maybe I can meet you in September. Are you going to the IUFO Congress? Uh, probably, yeah, most likely. I've never been to one. I don't know if I will or not. Uh, I almost did last year and got a vendor table for like 350 or something or 400 I don't know what yeah. they are these days. I think I've been to it four times now. 
Really? Oh, you're yeah. very amazingly so. So you know all the. I don't know any of the ropes. I, I don't know how it's. Uh, I mean, understand vendor rooms and well, speaker we rooms. Have the, but. We have the we um, the the most popular booth uh, there. Uh, three years running at one point. Really? And what yeah. booth would, might that be? <laughs> the scan booth where uh, people would come to uh, find out if they had any evidence of uh, recent alien contact or alien implants. Very interesting. Well, maybe next Thursday we can get more in-depth into what you're about and how you've been uh, entertainment for these people at these UFO Congress or other conferences. But uh, I want to thank you for coming, and I want to talk to you uh, more. And uh, hopefully, if you're going to be in our organization, we'll get to have you more on the radio show as well. So uh, until, uh, at least for uh, those listening, until what, uh, Thursday, 6 to 8, is this time fine for you? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, wait. Is it, yeah, Thursday is with Janet. And then Friday is with uh, uh, Ken Johnston, and Ken may enjoy talking to you. Uh, he's the astronaut, former astronaut with NASA, worked with Grumman. And then mm-hmm. Saturday we have Bill M. Tracer. And uh, I don't know Sunday if we're going to uh, get into uh, universal uh, ministers or not, but Tommy is doing the spiritual quest, but he says he's going to do a Temple of Truth now on his own network. So uh, we have other people, though, uh, that are working with us in radio. So you think about it, and uh, it's always nice to have a new player, and people can get to know you better if you like communicating. (laughs) Yeah. uh, All right. Sounds good. Okay. Well, thank you. All right. Any last words since I'm fixing to cut this off? No, it's about Steve? it. I think for right now, I'll. Uh, what about how they can contact you, you? Oh yeah, um, they can contact me at on my cell phone at eight zero five six two five two five four nine or uh, by email at uh, Steve at neutronstarnanotech dot com. That's um, Steve at n e u t r o n s t a r n a n o com. All right. And uh, I'm going to talk to Janet about putting me on the spot, but that's okay. I, you know, just free thinking. We do a lot of free thinking, as, as you notice, Steve, right? We don't prepare right. anything. Right. <laughs> but we did put up your name in nanotechnology to get started. So this was your introduction, and uh, hopefully the next show will be much more professional. <laughs> Thank right. you, Steve. Well, sounds good. All right. Thank you. you. All right. All right. All right. Okay, folks, I'm not going to play any music. You too. All right. I'm going to just hang up. So thank you for joining us, folks. Bye-bye. Bye.